Today we're covering the names of Allah, Al-Wahid, Al-Ahad. So both of them are coming from the root letters of Wahada uh, or Wahida, Yahidu Wahdan, Wahdatan, Hidatan, Wuhudan, Fahuwa Wahidun. This is one pattern, or also you could say the root verb of Wahuda, Yawhudu, Wahadatan, Wuhudatan, Fahuwa Wahidun. Anyway, you can hear it's uh, always the wow, uh, ha, dal pattern, which all of it referring to what? To be one alone, to be unique, to be singular, to be unmatched, to be without equal, to be incomparable. Al-Wahid, simply put, could refer to and usually is translated as the one. Al-Wahid, the one. And this is a reference fi uh, uh, in his essence, in his self. So Allah is one in his essence, implying what? He is not an aggregate. He is not composed of parts. He is ghair murakkab. He is a perfect unity. He is one. Al-Ahad is often seen as a reference to fi sifatihi wa fi af'alihi, that uh, it is uh, referred to as the unique. Al-Ahad, the absolutely unique in his qualities, in his actions. So uh, the first one, Al-Wahid, is referring to his essence, and the other is referring to his qualities and to his um, uh, his actions in the universe or with, with his creation. And so the implication of Al-Ahad is what? That nobody is similar in his qualities, no one resembles him at all. No one compares to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has no peers, no partners, no colleagues, no lineage, no equivalent, no counterpart, and no one can do what he does. And he is in his own category altogether. It's not that, uh, you know, there are, he is unique in his category, uh, like he is one of the unique ones in a category of other, let's say, deities. Of course, there's only one worthy of worship. And so he is in his own category. As Allah Ta'ala says, There's absolutely nothing that is even similar or resembling to him. He is completely unique in every way. Al-Wahid is mentioned actually 22 times in the Quran. And six of those times, it is in the order, uh, is next to Al-Qahar, Al-Wahid Al-Qahar. You find that six times in the Quran. And in terms of the surahs that this shows up in, I personally find it very interesting. It's in, uh, so six times, three of them are in a row, and three of them are also in a row. Surahs 12, 13, and 14, and surahs 38, 39, and 40. So 12, 13, and 14 is surah uh, Yusuf, I 39, surah Ra'ad, I 16, and surah Ibrahim, I 48. These all mention Al-Wahid Al-Qahar. So it's three surahs in a row. And then you have 38, 39, 40, that's surah 38, which is, um, Surah 38 is Surah Saad, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, ayah number 65, 39 is Surah Zumar, ayah number 4, and Surah 40 is Surah Ghafir, ayah number 16. So yes, this, this, uh, this sequencing, I don't know the reason why, I don't understand the wisdom, but I do think it is truly something interesting to look into. And there are two perspectives that you can look at why these two names of Allah Ta'ala would come together. Uh, why is it that you would mention Al-Wahid Al-Qahar together, that Allah is uniquely one, and that he is um, the Qahar, is the, uh, the, the, the conqueror, you could say, the all-conquering. And the reason is, one of the reasons could be that if there are two that are considered the strongest or the best or the most conquering, number one, then there will always remain that question, as, which is, what would happen if they were to compete with one another? Who is really the best? And that's because we just don't accept in our minds the idea that there can be two that are the most dominant. There can only be one. Who is really the most dominant? So there has to be just one. And so this is the concept here that Allah is al-wahid al-qahar. He is the one and he is the most dominant. And furthermore, 
Even in this dunya, when we take a look at a powerful force, you always find that's comprised of parts. Let's say if you're looking at a powerful country, it has politicians and army generals and soldiers and so forth, and the downfall of that superpower usually comes when there is a conflict from within. Yet Allah Ta'ala is a perfect unity, so there is no conflict from within. And you can even see this in a person's body. One person is an, just one person, but he is made up of different parts. So let's say, for example, if there's a very dominant athlete, let's say some sort of a fighter, um, who is, of course, one person, but eventually he will get an injury to one part of that body, whether it's his hand, his foot, his back, his neck, whatever the case is, and that one weakness can bring down his whole body, uh, his whole performance, and therefore will end his career. Hence the expression, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Allah Ta'ala isn't an aggregate that depends on other parts. Allah Ta'ala is, as we said, a ghair murakkab, a non-aggregate. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is a perfect unity and therefore no part can fail. Uh, he is one and that one is always dominant, hence al-wahid al-qahar. So I hope that's clear as to why it comes together six times in, with, the, with that name of Allah, the, these two coming together. Now in terms of the name of Allah, al-wahid by itself, we have ilahukum ilahu wahid also six times in the Quran. And we also have this name of Allah, al-wahid, showing up on its own uh, 10 times. So that's why in total, 22, six and six and then 10 makes 22. So as for al-ahad, uh, uh, it only occurs one time. How? unique, that it is Al-Ahad, the unique, and it shows up in this one unique place where Allah says, and you could call this, you could say, near the culmination or conclusion of the Qur'an, a reminder of the central message, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ Say that He is Allah, the one and only the unique. So, uh, subhanAllah, you find these names showing up in the sunnah of the Prophet I'll just give one example of this. We see that uh, the Prophet says that Allah says in a hadith Qudsi, كَذَّبَنِي ibn Adam." Uh, that the son of Adam tells a lie against me though he has no right to do so he abuses me though he has no right to do so قوله اتخذ الله ولدا وانا وانا الاحد الصمد لم الد ولم اولد ولم يكن لي كفوا احد that Allah Ta'ala says as for his telling a lie against me he's, he it is when he is saying that I will not recreate him as I created him for the first time in fact the first creation uh, uh, in fact the first creation was not easier uh, was it not easier for me than the new creation? Uh, no, was not, isn't it obvious that the second is obviously easier than the first? And as for his abusing me, it is his saying that Allah has begotten a child uh, when I am the one, the self-sufficient, the master, whom all creatures need. I beget not, nor was I begotten, and there is none like me. So there's a hadith in Sahih Bukhari, which is a hadith Qudsi, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is expressing that he is Ahad. And of course, like I said, this is in the Quran as well. The Prophet said to his companions, Ayya'jizu. The Prophet asked, is it difficult for any of you to recite one-third of the Qur'an in one night? Uh, this was obviously a, a difficult suggestion for them. Uh, so they said, you know, who amongst us has the power to do so, O Messenger of Allah? And so he responded and said, what? That if you recite this surah of Surah Al-Ikhlas, then this is the equivalent in, in terms of ajr, in terms of reward for one-third of the Qur'an. So subhanAllah, you can see how heavy and weighty it is to understand this concept of Tawheed. We know that Allah Ta'ala describes His uniqueness, His oneness, uh, in relationship to His abd, to His slave, 
when Allah Ta'ala gives a beautiful parable, parable saying what? ضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا رَجُلًا فِيهِ شُرَكَاءُ مُتَشَاكِسُونَ وَرَجُلًا سَلَمًا لِرَجُلٍ هَلْ يَسْتَوِيَانِ مَثَلًا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ بَلْ أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Allah presents an example, a slave owned by quarreling partners and another belonging exclusively to one man. Are they equal in comparison? Praise be to Allah, but most of them do not know. So the idea here is that if you have multiple masters in your life, multiple things pulling at you, telling you that this is, you, you know, uh, I'm your master, you must obey me, you have to do this, whether it be teachers telling you one thing, the government telling you another thing, your family telling you one thing, society telling you another thing, social trends telling you one thing, whatever the case is, your base desires telling you another thing, you're being pulled in all directions, and if you treat these masters as equal, you're going to be running in circles, and you will end up pleasing nobody. The believer is the one who puts Allah above, above everything else, one source to ask for your food and your strength and your guidance, one source to receive your instructions, one source to understand your prohibitions, one source to learn your responsibilities, hence Allah Allah Ta'ala uh, being your only, one and only Lord makes life functional and makes life beautiful. Alhamdulillah. Your ilah, this is your ilah, your object of focus, devotion, obedience, absolute love and obsession is one, is Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Otherwise, you're going to be scattered in your goals. You could be doing something as simple as just eating breakfast and yet what you're doing can be subjected to multi-level analysis. You can take a look at this and understand it through so many different lenses. And all of them on top of each other are all pointing up towards the one deity. I'll give an example. You say you're eating breakfast. Why? Because my body is a blessing from Allah. So body maintenance is part of worship. Okay, so that's one level of analysis. But furthermore, I'm eating halal food because I want to obey Allah Ta'ala. That's under the second level of analysis. I'm not overeating because it's displeasing to Allah and it makes me lazy. I'm giving myself energy so I can work a job because Allah encourages self-sufficiency instead of leeching off of others. My job is halal and therefore isn't harmful to others. Rather, it's beneficial to humanity, which is part of obedience to Allah. My job pays my salary and I spend that on my family because Allah made me responsible as a provider. I provide for my family and raise righteous children that will spread the truth of Islam after I'm gone generation after generation. So subhanAllah, you can be sitting there just eating breakfast and you can be analyzing it from all these different lenses and all of them are compatible because ultimately they all go back to your Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whether in the short term or the long term, all of it is feeding into the same concept and ultimately you're all doing things, you're doing things all, always for the same cause, for the same ultimate goal, as samad Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one, he is the ultimate goal. What is the benefit of this name, Al-Ahad, Al-Wahid? What is, what is the benefit of these types, of the, the, these two names? It's Tawheed, recognizing that Allah is one, and when you do so, you earn paradise. The Prophet says what? Man mata wa huwa ya'lamu annahu la ilaha illallah dakhala jannah. Whoever dies knowing full well that there is no God other than Allah, he enters paradise. Tawheed gives you intercession. The Prophet says what? أَسْعَدُ النَّاسِ بِشَفَاعَةِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ خَالِصًا مِنْ قَلْبِهِ أَوْ نَفْسِهِ That the person who will be the happiest with my intercession on, on the day of resurrection will be the one who said sincerely from the bottom of his heart, there is no deity worthy of worship except for Allah. Tawheed saves from calamity. We know Yunus السلام, was in the worst of circumstances, guaranteed certain death, and he said what? La ilaha illallah, la ilaha There is no deity except you. Exalted are you indeed. Uh, I have been wrong to myself. And Allah says, right after the next ayah, Allah says, And thus do we save the believers. So Allah says, we responded to him, we saved him from this distress, and this is the way we save the believers, by mentioning this dua. This is why the Prophet says what? فَإِنَّهُ لَمْ يَدْعُوا بِهَا رَجُلٌ مُسْلِمٌ فِي شَيْءٍ قَطْ إِلَّا إِسْتَجَابَ اللَّهُ لَهُ That nobody makes this dua, this dua of uh, Yunus السلام, or the Noon, right? Another name that he has. But in this particular hadith, in Tirmidhi, it's a Sahih authentic hadith. The Prophet 
the Prophet is saying, nobody makes this particular dua except that Allah will respond to it. So you want to call upon Allah sincerely and only to Him, mentioning His oneness uh, in order to save you from calamity. And this is something that even the polytheists know deep down. And when they board a ship and they supplicate to Allah sincerely, making the religion to Him alone, but when uh, He, Allah, delivers them to the land, at once they associate others with Him. So subhanAllah, this is something very problematic, and we should recognize that Tawheed is something built within us. In fact, I recently had a discussion with a number of uh, Christians, and I, we made we spoke for many hours, alhamdulillah, and after uh, some, I was making some concluding remarks, and one of the points that I made was that I think it's very powerful that you can have someone living on an island by themselves. You know, I, I mentioned, I think, uh, Mowgli or, you know, what's his name, Tarzan or whatever. Somebody just raised with the wolves or raised with the animals, whatever, and they have no contact to civilization, but you could imagine that such a person would come to the conclusion that God is one, that there is one deity out there, that there is one ultimate creator and source, and that this is not, doesn't come as shocking to anybody if such a person, completely living alone, ultimately came to the conclusion that God is one. In fact, we kind of expect it. That being said, though, would they come to the conclusion that there's a triune Trinitarian God, there's a father who sent his son to sacrifice him, and that sacrifice was actually himself, so he was sacrificing himself to appease himself so that he, his blood could be an atonement for, man, for, for him because he accepted it? As you can see very clearly that such a concept is very convoluted and there's no way that such a person would just come to that conclusion living all by themselves. So my point was that Tawheed is something built within us, whereas the Trinity is not. Is that not one of the many arguments that you can uh, add to the pile that demonstrate that subhanAllah uh, uh, Tawheed is the truth? Anyhow, yes, how can we apply this concept of oneness, uniqueness? Well, appreciate your own uniqueness. Of course, uh, uh, this doesn't apply in the uh, in the divine uh, way, but still, as an individual, you are unique amongst humanity. You don't have to conform to fit in. Uh, you know, we can complain about fake people day and night, but the fact is, real attracts real, as they say, and fake attracts fake. So if you're surrounded by fake people, the change has to start with you first and foremost. And if you are different, then be different. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a very a number of nice quotes that say, for example, I'd rather be hated for who I am than love for who I am not. Be unique, be yourself. There's another great quote that says, the bitter truth is better than sweet lies. So you want to be sincere, you want to be honest, you want to be your own unique, authentic self and not lie for anybody. And you should be at one. So this idea that Allah Ta'ala is a perfect unity, well, we're never going to be uh, uh, like, you know, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, A'udhu Billah, that's, that's not possible. But we can try our best to be at one, to mimic or to, you could say, get as close as possible to such a beautiful divine name. So what does that mean to be at one? Well. Sometimes there's an argument between your heart and your mind. Sometimes there's a discord between your values and your actions. Or sometimes there's a discrepancy between your thoughts and your words. You should not ignore these situations. You should not ignore these realities. Examine yourself, be honest with yourself, harmonize within yourself, be at one. So this is one of the ways that we can implement and practice this, these beautiful names of Allah. We should remember that minor shirk is uh, a major sin. It is. The Prophet uh, described it. The thing that I fear the most for you is the minor blasphemy, the minor shirk. And the Sahaba, they asked, O Messenger of Allah, what is this minor shirk? And so he said, uh, It is showing off. Allah will say on the day where uh, um, people are being rewarded, recompensed for their deeds, Allah will say, إِذْهَبُوا إِلَى الَّذِينَ كُنْتُمْ تُرَاءُونَ بِأَعْمَالِكُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا 
فَانْظُرُوا هَلْ تَجِدُونَ عِنْدَهُمْ جَزَاءً Allah will say, go with your deeds to those who you were showing off to and see if you find a reward with them. So this hadith is a stern reminder that you have to be at one in your intentions when you come for salah. You're not thinking about, oh, who's watching me and am I considered so cool and so righteous and maybe someone will like me. You have to get all this out of your heart and do it only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala protect us from shirk, major and minor shirk. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who can be at one with ourselves and not constantly trying to show off or be two-faced. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who have unity of thought with our hearts our minds, with our values, with our actions, with our words, so that we are sincere individuals. May Allah Ta'ala put tawheed in our hearts so that it will enter us into paradise. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.